Welcome to Take Brain Talk with your girl Flavella Fong Gang. And today I'm gonna fuel your brain with some bomb knowledge. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hello, everybody. In this episode, I had a fantastic conversation with Simba, Simba, the founder of Devlin Mambo, should I say correctly, and the investment management consultancy. We talked about the power of data. We talked about the power of understanding your data, but also utilizing, because quite often it is not utilized to the best of its ability. Are you fully understanding your data? But we talked as well about the power of ESG and maybe a bigger, another look Another look on consumerism. I think it's um, very important. What choices are we making as a company? What choices are we making as individuals? So you're going to learn about that in this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Tech Brands Talk. My name is Flavilla. And as you know, every time I bring you the best and amazing human out there doing some disruptive and interesting things to make this world a better place. And um, I'm going to talk about investment. Of the number myself, I'm with Simba. Simba Mambo Ininga is going to join us. And we're going to talk about investment, but also the power of data, partnership, and so much more. So let me introduce you to Simba. Simba is the co-founder of Devlin Mambo, the investment management consultancy. He leads the firm's transformation, advisory, and implementation practice. He sees great opportunities for the investment management industry to really embrace technology so they can be slicker and more engaging. He also leads the firm's research on how the recent focus on sustainability has impacted the investment process and has published numerous thought leadership articles on this topic too. So Simba, how are you? Such a pleasure to have you. Flaviva, first of all, thank you very much for having me. I am very well and uh, I'm uh, enjoying this rather dry and cloudy day in Edinburgh today. <laughs> it's always like that, yeah? So uh, the good thing about podcasts, nobody has to see what we're wearing, how the weather <laughs> is outside. We can just hear the, the passion in our voices. And my question Nothing. is always, you know, the most important one is about what made you decide to start Devlin Mambo, co-found what was your aha moment? What led you to do it and decide to, to go on this crazy journey of entrepreneurship? That's funny you say that's a crazy journey. Do you know, a lot of people have asked me that question and they say, mm-hmm. you know, what is the risk that you've taken? But I think for me, it was a, a very natural step, uh, something that I uh, had a long interest in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for a long time, you know, you, you work with uh, a lot of different consultants who are good, by the way, big firms and small firms. But quickly enough, I, I saw that perhaps... Uh, I had a bit of a competitive advantage uh, in a foot. Uh, I could maybe do things a lot better than than some. And uh, perhaps we could change the consultancy model, more so away from the transactory aspect to it, to uh, an outcome uh, practitioner-based uh, uh, view. So, you know, for, for us, it's really about uh, providing a, a practitioner-led uh, yeah. pra- you know, support to the investment industry. And starting was a journey, as you could expect as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to find the right people at the right times. And thankfully, I got a good uh, leadership team and the likes of uh, Graham, Graham Devlin, uh, the co-founder, and uh, Catherine Husband as well, who is our commercial uh, partner. And, uh, you know, the three of us came together and we've managed to grow the firm as, as since. And it's, it's, it's really about uh, our passion and that's what keeps us going at the moment. Yes. So tell us more. And I love, you know, there's so much power. I think what you said at the beginning already is, is good to, you know, if you want to start that journey, sometimes having co-founders make it easier, especially if you have a, a great collection of skills that combine and create, you know, more, more 
more value and also more credibility to where you are. So I know I started by myself, but you know, if I found a perfect, if I had found the perfect co-founder, I would have taken it as well with me. Probably would have been an easier journey, you know, compared to what I've gone through. You know, you can share the responsibility at least. Yeah, exactly. Ask Paul, <laughs> ask somebody else. But yeah, so tell us in terms of, I want to ask you later in terms of hurdles and challenges, and I'm sure there were plenty, but tell us what was your really, the reason behind also being focused on technology? What was missing? What does a, what does a market not see that you saw? Well, you know, we, we live in a world where things are changing rapidly. Um, you know, I've been toying with the idea of perhaps showing the balance between the integration of technology in, in the investment management industry, say, starting back in the 70s, uh, before my time anyway, uh, to, to now. And I think if we were to plot, say, uh, a cost, uh, say, expansion in, in, uh, between uh, technology and everything else within, within organizations, you would find that, uh, you know, 40, 40, 50 years ago, this was a very small part of uh, a firm's uh, expenditure. And now that amount is increasing. And I'm not saying it's going to continue to increase massively because technology is becoming more and more efficient and much more affordable. But what's also happening is that there is an in increasingly a replacement of uh, manual efforts. So your physical, your person like yourself and myself sat by the desk, you know, we're being replaced by, by machines or technology, you know, because actually, you know, the, the introduction of uh, uh, artificial intelligence uh, uh, and, and natural language processing, et cetera, machine learning, um, it's, it's really starting to change things. And you know we we are we are starting to see that uh, the the number of people say the the bodies in the ground you know bodies in a firm uh, will continue to reduce. So you know I would I would like to think in the next five ten years or so mm -hmm. uh, we will see that that uh, service industries or let me say investment management industry will be a function of technology. So it'll be uh, delivering investment management as part of technology, if if that makes sense. Hmm. I think people who listen to this right now might think, okay, I'm, I'm not familiar with this, or maybe I am. But from your point of view, so your role as a trans transformation advisory and implementation practice, tell us a bit more in terms of what does this really involve as a as a business? What does that mean? Well, so from a from a transformation perspective, is we are trying to understand the investment industry today, tomorrow, and. Uh, and well into the future. So, and there are some obvious gains that firms can, uh, uh, you know, synergies that firms can can gain, which is perhaps you can consolidate your services or you can move supplies, etc. You know, but that's not necessarily improving your technology much. Uh, so, from a from a transformation perspective, we are looking at how you really change your 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 business such that it's fit for the future, more focusing on your clients' needs. So knowing who your clients are today, tomorrow, and well into the future. So yeah. with that, I take a lens where we spend a lot of time looking at, say, the demographic uh, demographics and understanding what the young folk or young people uh, are interested in, how they like to interact, etc. And that really informs uh, what firms should be thinking about in the products that they should uh, deliver and how they also deliver that that products. And increasingly, you start seeing the need of having a core technology component uh, to your offering. 
Are you able to share an example without sharing, you know, example of clients, but how does a case studies of how you've been able to help your clients? Well, there's, there, there are multiple things that we have done from a technical mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, we, without necessarily naming names, you know, we, we are involved in, say, certain due diligence exercises. Mm-hmm. And perhaps from an, from an M&A perspective as well, we might be looking at certain uh, solutions where we're thinking perhaps this is a good fit for a client because of a particular technology state, the way a business is done. And it's, just, it's not necessarily just about technology because you have to understand we have to look at um, uh, operations holistically, yeah. how the businesses run, how the culture is. But uh, as I say, uh, technology is is a big part of this. And there's a huge shift in the industry uh, towards uh, embracing technology. But the industry is still very much challenged on how they can uh, achieve that. Uh, the reason is that they still have quite a lot of uh, archaic uh, infrastructure. Mm. So whatever you talk about, the challenges of, of, of making it happen, and, and we can see that it's... it's um... Is probably not as streamlined as it needs to be because of the complexity of every single business uh, have. So thinking about this, you know, what are the foundations that need to be in, you know, improved before people look at the next phase? Well, you know, I th- you know, the, the, the key thing is uh, I was in a webinar last week and we were talking about uh, understanding your data. So the very first mm-hmm. thing is, you know, what are the people, what are the processes and what are your products? When you have a, a very clear understanding of how your data is utilized and what data you are using in the architectural design of your current platform, it becomes easier, you know, let me say it becomes easier to move on to say new technologies. Now, um, st- typically what you tend to see is bolt-on solutions where, you know, in an legacy solution, you look to plug in a new technology. I mean, that works for a few years. But there will come a point in time where firms might have to revisit the core engine that they've been protecting for a while. And I think that's a hard decision because a lot of money might have been spent by, by firms. And uh, I think it would take some, some, some strong leadership to actually accept that they have to move away. Yeah. And these will be massive transformation of uh, programs. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's a lot of that uh, taking place uh, in, in, in the market at the moment. It's funny because you, you talked to, I think, thank you, I think you mentioned something around data. And I think, um, you know, do we understand the data that we have and do we also understand the value of what we have? And quite often, I think that um, it's not fully utilized. What are, your, what are your views on that? No, from a, from a data perspective, uh, you know, there's, if, if you look at most industries, uh, and this is unfortunate, most of because, you know, everybody has their own uh, defined uh, role, et cetera. So you're not necessarily overly concerned what the next person or the next team is doing, as long as you manage to complete your task as well. But then from a senior perspective, and, you know, those who are responsible for the architecture and the delivery of uh, client outcomes, and from a P&L perspective, Having a clear understanding of your data enables you to identify how else you can add value to your proposition or how efficiently you can utilize that that data. And that takes time. So firms really need to have a look at that and perhaps have data scientists uh, embedded within their organizations that can maybe reshape the utilization of those data and also welcome the integration of uh, new technologies at, at, at the same time. Um, I think it's important for firms to 
maintain an eye on uh, expand on, on, on R and D um, research and development. Uh, perhaps that's not something that uh, we have seen much in the introduction of, or let me say, the growth in sustainability or ESG investing is now starting to show show a light on that. Um, I know data science has also been on, on, on the rise, but I think we're just at the beginning of a new wave of uh, a technological change uh, in, the, in the market. Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting that you said that because um, I'm very involved with Asiponomi, I'm very purpose-led and ESG is one of the things that I really care about. So what companies are doing with their data and reporting and so forth and their understanding of that data is more than just um, the transaction. What um, are you able to see in you know between the lines, the opportunities, but also the change that needs to happen? And it's interesting that you say that. So, you know, companies, you know, look, listening to this right now may think, that they have it, you know, the data all in order. What do you think um, will show, show or maybe uh, tech companies need to look at if um, to know that they haven't fully utilized the information or the data that they own? Well, there's, there's a couple of things. So, you know, some tech firms, um, they will script it all online and uh, look to present that, you know. So mm-hmm. there's, there's, and there's only so much data you can also get uh, online from, a, from an ESG perspective. Now, this is an area that we research uh, extensively as well around how do you get the right information, the information that's actually dependable. Uh, and that's also not uh, overly subjective. So that's a massive topic in, 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 in itself. Now, um, Tech firms, and if you look at, say, uh, your likes of MSCI who offer ratings as, as well, they are spending millions in this space uh, where they have like massive pools of research analysts uh, looking at company information. But the sheer number of firms in the industry means that they can only do so much. So the initial focus really has been your large corporates. And we're starting to see that uh, filter down to your, your your smaller markets as well, maybe your know your, your uh, small listed uh, capitalization, etc., uh, but that 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 that's 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 going to take a significant time uh, to to achieve. So there is there is a scope for tech firms to maybe pick a market and mm. focus on it. But then you need bodies on the ground to harvest all that uh, information uh, and integrate it into technology. And perhaps there are opportunities uh, for partnership with firms that can do that, uh, as maybe tech firms might not necessarily have the right skills to perform that initial analysis before you can integrate that data into um, their platform, then to go on and offer or sell to, 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 to their clients. And this is one of the biggest challenges, and that's been cited numerous times and caused uh, some, uh, uh, let me say, a bit of conflict between the investment and management industry and the ratings agencies. Mm. Mm. Well, this is a this is a perfect time to end the first part of this podcast, and we're going to talk a bit more in the second part about partnership. See you soon. Stay with us. You are listening to Tech Brains Talk, a conversation on the strategy of becoming a remarkable individual and creating iconic tech brands. Your host is Flavilla von Gang, author, speaker, and founder of Three Colors Rule a creative branding and marketing agency for tech companies. For more information, go to threecolorsrule.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please help us by telling your friends 
and rating us a five stars on iTunes. Thank you. Now, back to where we left it off. Hello, everybody. Second part. And um, the first part was super exciting. I think that this is, as usual, I always ad advise you to listen to an episode more than once um, because I think there's so much takeaways uh, in each episode. And this one is definitely one to make you think differently. Think about the data that you own. Think about how you're utilizing that data. Are you actually able to capitalize on that as well? Not just capitalize, but also look at opportunities that align with ESG, sustainability, net zero, what else is required? And before we um, before we uh, ended the first part, we talked about partnership. So let's talk about partnership because um, I think it's very important. You know, the the journey of thinking about the, the vision of a business uh, is uh, is more than just uh, one company; it's an entire ecosystem. So one thing about partnership: what comes to mind? What do you think partnership is important, and how can it really add value to a, a company proposition? Well, you know what I think. Uh, every business has to reflect on what they do well in, and uh, what they lack, and then perhaps the, and then that, that's I think that's the foundation in 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 certain instances of partnership. Sometimes partnership allows you to scale up more so, or to access uh, different markets, etc. And this is why at certain points you see a lot of uh, um, um, acquisitions or mergers, etc. between the companies. Mm -hmm. But you know, from a fintech perspective. I think fintech certainly benefit uh, from partnerships uh, with uh, some professional services firms who can bring some practical expertise uh, that can guide or help them uh, build their 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 products. Now, I have seen um, and I review you know and, and numbers many many uh, different fintech uh, so solutions, and very quickly we can see whether a certain solution. Is will have a lot of uh, uh, traction, as in if it will grow well or not. In some solutions, maybe they might be likely to do well, and uh, as a result of perhaps that maybe the, the market not necessarily understanding much of uh, much about how that uh, product is going to help them. So that whole clarity in the proposition is is, is key. Mm -hmm. Now you know I think professional firms or say service firms maybe like like us we I think we. We will regard ourselves very high in that regard. Uh, apologies for, for that. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, we bring in some uh, uh, practitioner uh, experience. You know, we are from the industry. We've been in the industry. And we know how the industry works. We, we track developments in industry. We understand the clients. We understand how the clients are, um, what the clients are looking for. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, the whole part of uh, research and development is key. And we guys spend a lot of time uh, researching uh, our clients, uh, researching their clients, researching the solutions in, in, in the market. So that puts us in a good position to assist uh, firms and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and help them build uh, their solutions or actually take their solutions out to market. Because mm -hmm. you know, from a selling perspective, we can actually relate. We might, we might be in a better position to understand what the client are looking for. That's good. That's good. Oh, I have so many questions I want to ask you, but probably the question I want to ask you because I think you have a very, you know, uh, good thought leadership mindset in general. So, what do you believe are you know, what do you predict in terms of market trends? What are your predictions when it comes to market trends? General market trends. Mm -hmm. Well, so you know, the, the the biggest thing at the moment is is ESG. Um, mm -hmm. If we were to talk about uh, ESG. Um, in January sometime before the Ukraine war, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people will still be focusing on 
environmental issues. And yes, they are in, in very important uh, issues uh, to, to address. Now, the, U, the Ukraine wars are started, and then that, that, that is starting to shift, not necessarily focus, but then something else is kicking in, which is the social aspect of ESG. Yeah. Now, previously, I think that was not necessarily giving the attention that it, 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 it deserved because perhaps most managers did not see it as a material risk. So I think we're now at a point where it's very possible that social factors will be considered in high regard as there were environmental uh, issues as well. And evidently, I think you might have heard, I think, is it uh, BlackRock? Uh, lost yeah. about uh, is it uh, sixteen or eighteen billion as a result of the war and the of them pulling out of uh, uh, Russia as, as as well. So I think ESG is going to demand a rethink on firms uh, of rock and how you actually build an effective ESG framework and the products that you you provide and how you actually safeguard um, the, the the those products in ensuring that you are you maintain the right risk. Uh, for the return objectives uh, for those sustainability or ESG products offered um, to clients. So that's of significant industry. Now, un unfortunately, I think that uh, the general market uh, understanding of ESG issues is still growing. Mm. Evidently, as I say, uh, the focus on, uh, uh, on, 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 on the environmental aspect was... Um, of significant uh, concern, but now S has just popped popped in. So uh, I think we are still we're still learning on how to address it and what matters. And I think going forward, going forward, there will be a, a, a huge focus on supply chains. So if firms are pulling out of Russia, mm -hmm. what does it mean for other states and other nations where perhaps are run by similar regimes and where perhaps Firms operating in Western countries or, or here in the United Kingdom, for example, also have suppliers uh, as part of their supply chain. So there is there, there, there's a lot of focus on this now. Um, mm. And I, I think from a national policy perspective, perhaps that it, it just might mean something might shift. Will it? Will, won't it? I, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think from an investment perspective, there is a need to just uh, have, a, have a rethink about the ESG and be clear on, 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 on how um, they are going to deliver their, their, their strategies as well. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Simba, because it's exactly that we've been focusing so much on the E of ESG environment, you know, environmental, but what about, you know, social and governance? And that also makes us think and realize how much, you know, the global economy is so, you know, um, we rely so much on one another. And obviously, as much as, you know, this is happening in Europe, you know, still affects the rest of the world. And um, as you say, you know, the social part and the governance as well is very, very, do you think people will probably, again, I'm making really early assumptions. Do you think people will maybe just, companies will probably just look in terms of how as well the power of localizing a bit more if it is possible, but it, it would people change or reevaluate that sustainability part, as you say, which is super important. And we don't have it from, <laughs> as, we, as we obviously all, can see we're all being affected by it. Yeah, so you know, I think I think I think there there's over the next you know this year certainly or the next few years there there will be a significant shift in the thought 
Uh, I mean, you know, you've got China, which is the center of all manufacturing of things in, on the planet, etc. You know, um, and perhaps there'll be a rethink of, 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 of how things, you know, how that how that actually works. Yeah. Um, are we do we have a lot of risk in buying all our goods? Uh, and when I say all, I know I'm exaggerating a little bit there, Flavia. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, is that is that, is that a significant uh, risk uh, for the global economy uh, if it was a single point of uh, failure? Yeah. I, I think this is something that would be looked at, and I think f- firms would also be looking at uh, um, other regions in the world, w- what their capabilities are, etc. Yeah. And just recently. Uh, I know that I think Intel has announced that they are spending uh, a few billions uh, in, in, in creating, I believe, a factory out in, in, in Germany. And yeah. this is all on the back of um, the, the COVID crisis because, you know, it's, it's very clear that you you, 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 so, you want to de-risk this. And then if you put in the Ukraine-Russian uh, war into the mix, I think you start understanding that perhaps uh, it, it makes sense de-risking that. You know how national policy dictates that um, it's we are, it's we are yet to find out how investment managers uh, as providers of capital will influence that. We are yet to see uh, uh, the their reactions, etc. But I, I'd like to think that um, consumers, people like yourself and myself, uh, perhaps might start understanding that sometimes. We might need to pay a little bit more yes. to create. Uh, I mean, to maintain a, a, a safer world. And mm. when that happens, we might be happy to just allow you know take some of those what might be a tougher choices. And we are building a factory here uh, for these reasons here. Goods access. You're, you're happy with say your ESG uh, credentials. You're look. You've looked at your security risks. Uh, you've looked at your risks in in, in holistically. And, and and maybe and maybe that's where we go, but you know, time 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 will tell. I I I, I don't know right now. I agree. I think it's definitely a, a behavior change around towards consumers consumerism that needs to happen if we really want to fix that problem. Um, you know, fast fashion and uh, you know you know the desire to have everything you know next day an hour and so forth is just not uh, good and sustainable. Um, you know, for you know, safe for the for the planet itself. So it's just. Yeah, something that needs to definitely be changed. Oh, wow, this is really good. This is really just, you know, the kind of conversation that we need to have, and I hope that a lot of people will find some great value in listening to this. Um, Simba, um, just thinking about your legacy, how would you like to be remembered? How would I like to be remembered? You know, no yeah. one has ever asked me that one, Flavilla. Every <laughs> <laughs> question. I always keep it for the, for the end. Okay, so you, you know what? So... But it's, it's funny you ask me this because I was I've been discussing this with my with my wife as well mm. and, some, and a few of my friends, um, and I've got a, I've got a couple of kids as well, and mm. I think, see, after my time, do do I want them to remind to remember me as in the guy that left the house and left this etc. I I think I want to leave some values around how you should live your life, yeah. one which is enjoy your life. But I think I think values are, are really really uh, important. Most about you know life experiences, you know things that certainly matter, you know. So you know I'm on a journey right now with our firm uh, Devlin Mumble. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I enjoy it and I love it. 
Mm. You know, so if any of my kids, if any of my sister's friends wanted to do something and they, and they, and they enjoyed it, that's, that's, that's what I advocate for. Those, so those are the values that I would yeah. be uh, pushing for as well. But then also uh, paying regard to some of these climatic issues as well. You know, I grew up in Zimbabwe where we have a lot of uh, uh, some fantastic wildlife there as well, which I, 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 I enjoyed having uh, uh, around me. And I would, I, would, I would like to think that uh, uh, well after my time, you know, those that will be in existence at the time can also enjoy uh, uh, those that, that natural world that we guys inherited. Amazing. What a great answer. Really love that. Always think about how we can leave value for the rest of the world if we're no longer there in flesh. Um, so Simba, it was such a nice pleasure to have you and people want to learn more and, and get in contact with Devlin Mamba. What's the best way to reach our website, social media to tell us? Well, you know, we guys on LinkedIn, uh, so, you know, feel free to kind of follow. You can see what we guys are doing. Feel free to connect with me on, uh, on LinkedIn as well. And if you want to get in touch uh, with, uh, with with our team, you can drop in uh, an email to inquiries at uh, uh, DublinMumble.com. Fantastic. Simba, it was such a pleasure to have you. And for all my lovely listeners, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. As I say, listen to it twice because there's so much value. Think about the data. Think about the choices that you make as a, as a, as a, you know, as a consumer. I think it's so important. You know, we keep talking about ESG for a reason. And the race to the top has already started. So where are you as a business and where are you, what a plot, what part are you playing for the only planets we are? Because there's no planet number two and we need to be very, very careful. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.